Welcome to the Holy Bible Study for Genesis chapter 13. Today we continue the narrative of Abraham or Abram. We are also going to talk about Lot. And I'm going to compare the two men and explain why we want to live like an Abraham and not like a Lot. Why we want to live a spiritual godly life and not a secular worldly life. Also, I'm going to talk about why we need to stay close to the Lord in every storm, in every trial, and in every trouble. Because if you depart from Him in even the slightest bit, if you follow the masses in the world away from God even the slightest bit, it will not end well and there will be consequences. But if you stay close to Him, there are blessings beyond all your mind could imagine. So, let's just jump right into it. I hope you all will enjoy it. God bless y'all. Godspeed. So let's start right with verse 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the south. First thing we notice here, which we really didn't catch in chapter 12, was that Abram took Lot with him. So obviously, um, from first glance at chapter 12, it would just seem like just Abram and his wife were in Egypt. But obviously, Abram, you know, being a very uh, wealthy man, even before he went into Egypt, with many servants and, and um, you know, cattle and whatnot under him, he had a lot to take with him into Egypt in the first place when he fled the famine. And obviously, when he came out of Egypt, he came out with a lot more. But so that would explain why Lot was with him as well. And when it says into the south, um, it doesn't mean, because obviously Egypt would be located, I'd say, in the southeast of Israel. But it's since he's coming out of Egypt, when it says he went into the south, it means he's going south... Um, more in the in the land that we know today is Israel. So he actually his feet are actually going to pass over and actually dwell in the modern day nation of Israel long before his seed inherits it, like God said they would. And into the south actually means into the Negev. N e g e v is what it actually means uh, in the Hebrew translation. And you'll hear the word Negev a lot. Uh, Negev region, etc., uh, whenever you speak of the land of Israel. And verse 2, And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And that there is an understatement, because there are some scholars who believe that Abram at this time was quite possibly the richest man in all the world. And that's just attributed to God's blessing. Uh, because, again, not only was he rich going into Egypt, but we find that when he came out of Egypt, he left with even more than he had. So, And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel. Now, Bethel, we are going to read a lot about in the Old Testament. It's going to be a, a central spot where the men of God um, have very important messages delivered to them, or they have very important visions, or they have very important experiences with God. So you always want to 
pay close attention when you read about Bethel. B-E-T-H-E-L. And so he went to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So again, this was a spot where Abram had built an altar to the Lord, but now he's going back to that place to call on the name of the Lord. Now obviously, as we believers know today, you can pray to the Lord anywhere. Doesn't need to be in a church, doesn't need to be in a temple, doesn't need to be in a synagogue, um, doesn't need to be in the Holy Land. You can pray anywhere, in your backyard, in your shower, in your bed, on the floor, at work, wherever you are. I mean, God is with us always. That's why Jesus Christ coming down as Yahweh in the flesh, he was given the name Emmanuel, the title Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he said, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. So we can pray to God any and everywhere. That's why even Jesus said, when you pray to the Father, go into your you know, inner room and pray to him in secret. And the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So God is with us always. So just don't, don't ever be deceived to think that if you don't go to church, you can't talk to God. It's just not true. Um, he desires a relationship with us more than anything. So I just suggest every day you set some time aside to speak with God, to commune with God, to listen for God's voice, and to study your Bible and to pray to God. Um, that's what Abram did here. But obviously we can have our special places where it feels more powerful to us. Um, for instance, you know, I have had for years a little prayer altar in my bedroom that, you know, every day before I go out anywhere, get on the road, go to work, whatever, I always stop and, you know, say my little five minutes of daily prayers. And um, it's just, it can be a little reminder spot for you to remind you to, to turn to God, to make sure you spend your daily um, prayer time with God. And some people have a prayer closet like you may see in some of the Christian movies. And that's sort of what that was here for Abram. Because I do believe, you know, he prayed to God wherever he was, I'm sure. Whether it was in um, the land of Canaan, which would later be Israel, or whether it was in Egypt. Wherever Abram was, I'm sure he communed with the Lord. But this was his little spot that he set up here in Bethel. So when he got there, he called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. So... Basically, Lot was blessed by association because Abram was so blessed it kind of rubbed off on Lot because we're going to find going forward that Abram was called by God. Lot was not. Lot just kind of went along for the ride. And Abram lived by faith, whereas Lot lived by sight. And Abram lived a spiritual life for God, whereas Lot lived a worldly life as I would what I would call a um, in name only believer whether or not in his heart he truly was a man of God I mean we'll never know but a lot of his actions and a lot of his deeds um, you know say that he was a believer in the same God as Abram but he more so made the world 
his God instead of making God his world, which is what we should all do, is make God our world. Then everything else will fall into place. So, Lot went with Abram, and they both had their flocks, their herds, their tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. So again, this the substance was great, just again infers that Abram was much, much wealthier in cattle and everything else than people would ever expect today. He wasn't just some little tribal herdsman, you know, with 20 sheep or 20 cattle. I mean, he had just droves of of animals. And Lot did as well, because again, the blessings flowed down through Abraham into Lot. And they had so much that they could not dwell in the land together anymore. And on top of that, even though they may have wanted to stay together, we're going to find here in verse 7, there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. So even if they had wanted to stay together and try to find a way to work it out, those under them were not getting along. So that just goes to all you Christian bosses out there who are or managers, whoever are running um, a company or a business, that you set the example from the top down on respect for your employees, on everyone being treated equally, on not losing your temper, on, again, just setting a godly example for the other employees. That way they act that way around each other, that way they treat each other like that, that way you may rub off on other management because they see that the employees respect you, then they may respect the more worldly managers. So if you don't do that, what's going to happen is your employees are going to start with the gossip and they're going to start being jealous or they're going to feel that others are favored over them. So, again, treat everyone equally, treat everyone with respect, uh, treat everyone in a godly way. And not only will God reward you for it, but you'll see that, you know, it'll rub off on everybody else that you work with. Trouble here is, is that I'm sure Abram did that with his herdsmen. But obviously, knowing Lot, from all that we know about him, I'm sure he didn't do that with his herdsmen. And so they... Instead of, I don't think it would read right here saying that there was a strife between Abram's herdmen and Lot's. I think it would probably be more accurate to say that Lot's herdmen more than likely started a strife with Abram's herdsmen. And also we read here that the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled there. Now the Perizzites are often, you're going to find, lumped in with the Canaanites. And that's just because they dwelt in the land of Canaan along with the Canaanites, which would later become known as the land of Israel. Uh, you'll also find them lumped in usually with, with the Hittites and the Hivites and the Amorites. All of these ites that you're going to hear about, I mean, obviously, you know, we can say the Israelites, the Levites, those are not the same thing, but most of the ites that you're going to find that come into conflict with the children of Israel are all stemming from the children of Ham. As I explained, they're, they're going to forever be thorns in the side of the children of Israel and of the Israelites who were the children of Shem. So that's whenever you hear about the Perizzites, 
they're going to be rivals of all that are going to stem from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel going forward. Especially the Perizzites are going to be a thorn in the side of Joshua and Joshua's time. We will talk about that obviously when we get to it though. Let's pick up back in verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray you, between me and you, and between my herdmen and your herdmen, for we be brethren. Again, now this just goes to show that um, when you have the elder um, speaking like this to the younger, which it should be the other way around, and when you have Abram, who's definitely the more blessed of the bunch, and more than likely the more richer whom Lot himself got rich through, and whom Lot himself became blessed through, you just see the godliness of Abraham, the graciousness of Abraham, as opposed to Lot. Again, you just see here he only cares for himself, he's more secular, he's more worldly, uh, not too gracious and not too godly. And on top of that, we find in the next verse that Abram, who again is the elder, should be given the choice of the land by the younger, actually tells Lot, you choose. You take the land that seems best to you, and I'll take whatever's left. Again, that just right there shows why Abram is more blessed, and Lot is the one who has just basically gotten Abram scraps the whole time because he is just not as godly of a man as Abram is. So let's read verse 9. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray you, from me. If you will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you come unto Zor. Now, you're going to hear the term lifted up his eyes, lifted up her eyes, lifted up their eyes, throughout the Holy Bible. And it's going to have two meanings, I believe. Lifted up his eyes here, to me, would indicate that Lot is, um, he's consumed with the lust of the world. He is seeing through worldly eyes, he's looking, he's lifting up his eyes, and he's looking unto um, the physical. He's looking unto what he can see what he can taste, what he can touch. Whereas when we read of Abram lifting up his eyes, it's always in a spiritual sense. It's, he's always praying to the Lord. He's always making offerings to the Lord. Same with other men of God throughout the Holy Bible. It says they lifted up their eyes unto the Lord. It's, it's in prayer. They're, they're looking to what is not seen. Whereas Lot, when he's lifting up his eyes here, he's looking to what is seen. So I just want to make that distinction there. And he beheld all the plain of Jordan. So his eyes are seeing all this, this worldly land that looks so good to him. This worldly land that is filled with sin because he's going to inhabit uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And the thing there is, is that it's not that he didn't know the land was filled with sinners. It's not that he didn't know that the land would be like another Egypt. That's why it says here it was like the land of Egypt. Not just territorially, but it was like Egypt in the sense of the society was just as sinful, uh, just as secular, just as worldly. Again, just proving that, that Abraham was a man of faith and Lot was a man of the world. So when Lot decided where to settle, he didn't look at what was best for his cattle. He didn't look at which was best for his family and for his faith. He looked at what was best for his eyes. The lust of the eyes. That's what he was looking for. And when he saw Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, wow, that looks just like Egypt where we just came from. I don't like this country rural land. I want to go back to the big city. I want to go back to the world. And that's why Lot, we're going to find, is going to choose that land. And we also find here in verse 10 that the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah uh, later on. And so when you read this here, you can see that obviously the author of Genesis um, already knew of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's again why we believe this was written by Moses and not someone um, that had come before him. Obviously this could have been handed down, but Moses, when he says, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, that we don't even read about that for another two chapters. So that's how we know that Moses had written the book of Genesis. Okay, as you come unto Zor, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Towards Sodom. You got that? This isn't in the sense of a compass direction. It means that basically he was setting his heart toward Sodom. Pitched his tent toward Sodom means that he wanted to always be watching what was going on in that city. He always wanted to be whether he was in that city or not, a part of that society. So that's not good, and we're going to see it's not going to bode well for Lot going forward. Luckily for Abraham's sake, God will be gracious unto him, but if it weren't for Abraham, um, Lot's end may not have been um, what it was. Okay, so pitch his tent towards Sodom. And But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So that's why I said earlier that he knew what Sodom and Gomorrah was. He wasn't ignorant of the fact that it was filled with sinners. He just he enjoyed living among them. Because they were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So they weren't just regular old sinners like the rest of us. They were unrepentant, uh, godless uh, false God worshiping people. And we're going to find the men of Sodom and Gomorrah. Obviously, a lot of people don't want to hear it today, but they were. That's where we get the name Sodomite from. 
they were homosexuals. And again, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. The only difference between me and a homosexual is I repent of my sins. If I lust after women, I repent of it at the end of the day. Uh, homosexuals are taught today by many godless leaders in their movement, like LGBT pride movement, that there's nothing wrong with that, what they do. That it's just normal, that love is love. But no, God says that homosexual relationships are not normal. They're not natural. They will lead to disease. They will lead to a lifetime of curses unless you repent of those sins and try and turn from those sins like every other sinner in the world. So am I picking on you? No, because I'm just as much of a sinner as you are. Our sins may be different, but again, either you repent of your sins or you don't. And there is a majority of the homosexual community that does not even believe they're sitting. And that's a problem. So we're going to read some more about them going forward, the Sodomites. Verse 14, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where you are northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see, to you will I give it. Now get it, this is the most important part of the verse. And one of the most important prophetic promises of the entire Holy Bible. So don't miss this. The second half of this verse. First I'm going to read the first half again. For all the land which you see. To you will I give it Abraham. And. 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 Most important part. To your seed. Forever. Your seed. Who is Abraham's seed? We find out later on in the book of Genesis, God is going to tell us. It's not Ishmael. It's not anyone else. God says, in your seed, Abram. At that time, it'll be Abraham. In your seed, Abraham, shall Isaac be called. Meaning that Isaac is declared by the Lord to be the seed of Abraham. So this land of Canaan, which is later going to become what we know as the modern-day nation of Israel, that land is going to be given by Almighty God as a blessing to Abraham unto the Hebrews, the Jews, the descendants of Abraham forever. How long is forever? Look it up in the dictionary. I'll wait. Forever is forever. Not just until Abraham's death. Not just until um, Israel was taken over by Babylon. Not just until Jesus Christ came. Not just until Jesus Christ died. Not just until uh, the year 1900. Not just until the year 2000. Not just until the year 2020. Forever means forever. So let's read it one more time. For all the land which you see, which would later become the land of Israel. To you, Abraham, will I give it. And to your seed, Isaac, and his descendants forever and ever and ever. And again, if you go down the line, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What is Jacob's name changed to later on? Israel. You can't get around it. So you have a lot of people who try and twist and pervert the Holy Bible 
to say that somehow the Palestinians have some claim to the land. You can't find it in the Holy Bible. It's not there. You can find proof after proof why God says the Palestinians and the Muslims will never inherit that land and that they are occupiers of that land, that they're stealing that land from Israel and that God's wrath will come upon the nations for having any part in stealing land from the Israelites, the Jews. So forever, 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 that modern-day land of Israel that is always um, being contended over by the Palestinians and by the other Arab nations, they want some of that land to be taken from Israel and given to the Palestinians. It's You can't do it. You do that, God's wrath is going to come down upon whatever nations take part in that division, whether it be the entire United Nations, whether it be France, whether it be Germany, whether it be Russia, whether it be... Um, even the United States of America, who under Obama and under Bush and under previous presidents have tried to write up peace plans that divide up the land of Israel, and we have seen judgment after judgment befall this nation within hours of them laying out these peace plans for Israel. And it will continue under Donald Trump or under anyone else. It doesn't matter what their political party is. If you try to divide the land of Israel, God will divide your nation and will judge your nation. We've seen it time and time again. So to your seed, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, will God give that land forever, period. End of story. Can't edit anything to that, and you can't take anything away from that. Verse 16, and I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. What God means here is, okay, go to the beach and pick up, um, you know, a pile of sand in your hand and just sit there and try and count every grain of sand. And then look at the beach and see how many more hundreds of miles that beach goes on. And you would have to count every single speck and grain of sand. So God's saying, if you can do that, if you can count every grain of that sand down not only that beach, the beaches of all the earth, then will I cut off the seed of Israel, the seed of Abraham. So he's saying it's, it's never going to be numbered. You're going to continue to be multiplied and blessed throughout all history until the Messiah cometh to set up his kingdom on the earth in the future. All right, number 17. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto you. What's really cool here is that you notice that the patriarchs all got to walk through the land that would eventually be given to the Israelites. I mean, even Shem, we saw, had walked through the land. And it's just so cool. I mentioned it in previous studies. If you go back and listen to all the previous Genesis Bible studies, the men of God, the men through whom Abraham would descend from, all at one time or another had set foot in this promised land, and that's just so cool. So they all had just a little taste of it. And verse 18, Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron. Hebron is not too far off from Jerusalem. And he built there an altar unto the Lord. So, while Abram may have for a brief second 
in the previous chapter kind of had fallen into a worldly mind for a brief moment when he saw the famine coming on the land and he got afraid and he ran off to Egypt even though God said, you know, this is your land. I want you to go to this land. I want you to stay there. But he didn't do that. God never said leave the land because there's a famine. If God wanted him to leave the land, he would have said, Abram, there is a great famine coming. Prepare your family. Get out. God never said that. Abram left on his own accord, and he almost got himself into trouble for it. Luckily, God turned the curse into a blessing, brought him out better from his situation than he went in. But still, Abraham did not really listen to God in that situation, in the famine. He listened to the storm that was around him as opposed to listening to his God. And that's that's good for all of us to remember today, especially during this whole coronavirus outbreak. Are you listening to all the fear-mongering and all the hysteria and all the, oh, we're all going to die, everybody's going to die around you on the news, CNN, every single day, these people who don't know God? Or are you reading your Holy Bible? Are you listening to the God of the Holy Bible who says, Fear not, I am with you always. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. No plague shall come near you or your home if you're covered in the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Christ Jesus, by whose stripes we are healed. You can go on and on. You read my second book, Even More Signs of Our Times, the chapter on pestilences. I give about a dozen verses as to why we have nothing to fear when these global pandemics hit. And this will not be the last. Many more will come before the rapture of the faithful. So this is just a brief preview of what's to come in the future. So, again, don't pay attention to the storm around you. Pay attention to God. Keep your eyes fixed upon God at all times, and you will be blessed. And so for a brief moment, Abram put his eye on the storm. Now we find that once he got back to Bethel after he left Egypt and God had blessed him, he made, I mean, he went to his altar that he had made. And now we find that he's making another altar. So Abram obviously has fully returned to focusing on God and God 110%, and he's going to continue to be blessed for it. that'll do it. I hope y'all were blessed by this holy Bible study and by all the Bible studies. Next time we continue the narrative of Abraham, so don't miss a minute of it. Don't miss a study. Till next time, God bless y'all.